It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the millennial man is Jared Patel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. Comments and questions can be sent by email to 3 Pod at gmail.com or hit them up on social media at 3 Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our community. They're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them most. With unique service to represent unique lives in mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Welcome to episode 136 of Three Point Podcast and day 186 of Masking Up and Social Distancing. Our partners include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankered Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, and we appreciate all the many listeners out there as well. I'm the sage old veteran Ted Fattel. Our middleman is Matt Burns on the phone from North Carolina, and the young stud Jared Fattel joins me here in our mid-Michigan studios. It's our third annual Prep Pigskin Preview Podcast, and we have a full roster of guests to get us ready for MHSAA's Friday Night Lights coming up this Friday. Before we get to the show, a couple more spots from our great friends, and they include Advanced Elevator Company, have the best trained professional field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with headquarters in the heart of Owasso, an area business leader and a longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce since 2000. Also, Hankered Sportwear, 
They're the area's go-to clothing and more printing business with many loyal customers. The Hanker Sportswear team prides themselves by giving a good product at a great value. 100% guaranteed to satisfy your expectations. Owasso, Corona, and St. Paul School Spirit Wear in stock at all times. Special items for family, sporting, business and charity events along with printing for signs and banners for your upcoming events in downtown Owasso at 116 West Exchange Street phone 989-725-2979 or give them a follow on Facebook at hankered.sportwear well before we get to our special guest the three of us are going to give some of our thoughts now that we are in the final week ready for high school football. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm very excited about it. Uh, you know, we've been watching it on TV. Matt ESPN has been producing different high school contests. Uh, but uh, finally, Friday night, we got St. John's at Grand Ledge on the castle. I'm looking forward to it. But I've already run into a couple of obstacles. Uh, you know, this whole social distancing thing. You know, you're, I've been in many, many press boxes where you're jam-packed. And those days are over. They're going to have to make some other accommodations periodically. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a different world. But uh, I'm just so glad to be back into it. The good news is for you is you're, one, not going to be crammed into a press box like usual. But, two, at least there's <laughs> not going to be as many people in the stands. So when they put you in the ice-cold bleachers in the middle of November, uh, at least you'll have some space to yourself. So yeah, that's good. I can deal with that as long as it's not rain. You cannot be in the rain with our equipment. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have to get like a tailgate tent or something like that, and I don't figure out some sort of setup like that if that happens. But, yeah, that's obviously the big loop. What are they allowing? Basically two tickets per athlete uh, for the games. Yep, two tickets per athlete, uh, you know, limited media credentials. I mean, you, you have to definitely go through some, some ropes just to – Make sure they have room for you. Make sure that they're expecting you. And, you know, it's going to be different, but it's going to be great, I think. It's just going to be good to see the kids out there playing, you know, especially the 5% that want to play. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it, I was thinking about that today. Yeah. Uh, Jared oh, it's throwing 20%. that number out there, and I was just like, I don't know. I, I know we said, like, there might be some kids who are actually, like, a little upset that the season came back. Maybe they were looking forward to having the fall off. I don't know. I'm kind of with you, Ted. Like, the excitement, because everything's just been so weird the whole summer, really the last six months or whatever, I bet most of these kids, they're, they're ready to get out there under the Friday night lights. And even though the, the stands won't be packed because you're only allowed two tickets per athlete, I know that's going to be different, but I bet the excitement's going to be there. Everything's just been so weird the last three, four, or five months. Like, just get out there on the field and play some football. Yeah, of all the – we've talked about how, you know – College football, I don't know about you guys, but this past weekend, it just doesn't feel the same. It, it, the college football is almost 100% on atmosphere. High school football is a little bit closer to college than maybe the NFL, I would say, but it's not quite like the tailgating and all that stuff, so I think it's still going to be quite like a pretty good product. I will say this. You guys are keep ha uh, harping on me about this 5% thing. All I know is all the kids who have been posting on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook how they're so ready, you know, hashtag let us play. Hey, you got your wish. Hopefully, you don't blow. It. Hopefully, you don't embarrass yourself in front of the whole town, which is one of the things about high school football that you love. It's basically well, it, won't, it won't necessarily be in front of the whole town because <laughs> yeah, well, if you're not listening on the castle, I don't know. There's a lot more streaming services and stuff now where you can watch online or whatever, but it's not necessarily going to be in front of the whole town anymore. 
Very true. Very true. They are gonna. They're still gonna find out. You know, there's. I know. Obviously, there's Z925 the castle. There are going to be video uh, cameras set up at most of these things, which are behind a paywall, which is kind of funny to think about. It's not a bad deal pay-per-view. though. Like ten bucks pay per view for a month. Ten bucks a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you had a kid in high school, you'd certainly sign up for that service. I think a lot of schools are gonna look into doing like. I mean, as simple as you can, like a Facebook Live or YouTube yeah. Live or just basically yeah. set up an iPad at the top of the grandstands and just start a, a you know, a stream going on Facebook Live and hopefully it doesn't disconnect throughout the game. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I just, you know, it makes me think about, like, we've, we've talked about it before in past prep pigskin previews, like just how cool it was, the atmosphere, especially where we played at Corona, you know, like a small community like that, walking from the high school to the field yep. and – you know, the band is playing and fans are like lying in the streets and fans are finding places to park and tailgating a little bit and doing all that. And that part might not really be there. So there is a little bit of it that is like, you know, you think about running through the banner and the the crowd's just roaring and stuff like that. And it's just going to be the the grandmas and grandpas and a couple parents clapping. It's still going to be cool. It's still high school football, but there is a touch, something missing without the the fans and everyone there. No question. It's funny how, Matt, notice how your favorite memories are all stuff that's not going to be there this year. So we're going to find out who the real football fans are. Like I said, 5%. Well, well, you know, I guess looking back on it, you brought it up last week. Doesn't that all go together? Are you are you just going to qualify the 5 or 20% what you finally raised it up to, the actual game itself? Because, you know, when you think about being a varsity football player, everything that we're all talking about, running through the banner, the band, the uh, your, your name called over the yeah. loudspeaker, I mean, that all is part of the whole experience. Now, would you raise your 20% if you put the whole package together, or are you just talking the game only, the love of the game, 5 or the 20%? The love of the game, 5 to 20%. Okay. The genuine love for the game of football. is the, That's the way I feel. I will say this, you know, going along with this, we're, we're kind of keeping this team going for a couple of weeks. Think about it, though, Jared. I mean, you know, and, and Ted, I mean, you remember it, too. I do. There's those kids that aren't starters, you know, on either side. You know, they're just kind of the, the practice squad players. But when you get in on a, in a blowout, when you finally have a game where, you know, the second stringers or even if, you're, if you have enough guys, third stringers get in in that fourth quarter or something, those kids are busting their ass. And, they're you know, they're out there because they know their parents are in the stands or their girlfriend is, is up there in the student section or something like that. So, even like you said, that's what made me think of it. You, Ted, you saying hearing your name over that loudspeaker. I know for me, when I finally heard Frank Corrin mm-hmm. say Matt Burns on the reception, that was one of the coolest things ever. So even if you are in that, that lower percentage you're talking about, Jared, if you can get in for one carry, get one tackle, get something like that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And high school football is still going to be awesome. It's still going to be awesome this year. And I know how – excited like these kids pretty much are to be playing the majority of them I would say the ones that the ones that it really it matters to and so that I'm just happy for those guys and I'm happy for the amount of people who like the parents who just love watching their kids play guys like Ted who you know love their job and mm-hmm. are just looking forward to announcing like things like that I'm glad that they have the opportunity to have a season after all and get this Matt you know our young buck here, Jared, you know, going into uh, this industry, you know, he already was lined up with me to, to kind of intern on games coming this season. He started as the board op producing the games uh, with Bartman and I. Well, we're bringing Jared along this year, and him and I had a little production meeting beforehand, and unless something changes, we're going to have Jared be a sideline reporter. And it'll be very interesting to listen to some of his uh, takes down on the field. 
So he's going to be like the Pat McAfee of yeah. 92.5 The Castle. Keep it clean. Yes. Keep it clean. That is, uh, I would, I would uh, like it. I would compare it more to a Pat McAfee than a like Aaron Andrews type uh, <laughs> sideline reporter. So that's that's a good way you to know, put it. You know, this is the perfect year to do that. I mean, obviously, it is. Jared's you know getting breaking into the business, but like, along with everything we're talking about, more people will be at home listening. They won't be there like seeing what's going on on the sidelines. Jared, you got some. There's a little bit of pressure on this, and people are going to be wanting to know <laughs> what's going on with the coaches and what's going on with if if little Johnny comes off on the sidelines yep. with a little limp or something like that. You're, you got a little next little gig going there. Yeah, exactly. The one thing that that is important to know, I haven't heard anything about the pay scale, so that's uh, something <laughs> to stay to keep your. So I'm not sure how the pressure will be. Well, you're getting your debut Friday night, so we'll see how it we'll goes, see. and then we'll we'll set the pay we'll scale. All right. <laughs> pay is your pay is going to be. Uncle Ted's going to take you to Rivals for a beer after the game. There's your pay. It depends how many more times he dogs on me for going to the casino, but that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk about that. Uh, don't think I forgot about that. Well, we won't talk about that at this one. This is our prep preview. Any other thoughts, boys, uh, about the upcoming high school season? I'll just throw this out there. I mean, high school football, it really is one of a kind. And it's there's nothing quite like it. There's nothing quite as... You know, it's not like college football where every time a game is played, people are debating how it's not right to the players and how they should be paid and mm-hmm. how they're treated Pure. poorly. Or the NFL where they're talking about like concussions and how these guys are forever going to be kind of messed up potentially from it. High school football is just pure football. It's kind of the best. It's kind of the best when it's just boiled down to it's just football, and that's what I love about it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I know, Jared. I think it was on the last one. You, you asked Ted and I, like, because you're you're the most recent grad uh, from from high school like what how long it takes to kind of whatever get past you know mm-hmm. missing plane or whatever so have you started to get to that point or are you and your buddies when you get together still talk about some of those memories on the field or are you guys getting to that age where you're starting to kind of move past it a little bit no, those memories are still alive and well. It's kind of funny. You feel like a loser every time it comes up, but you don't hate it. You know, every time you're at the bar, something comes up here or there about it. I will say this, just in terms of, I don't necessarily like. I I don't necessarily miss the actual act of like playing football. I do miss having, you know, probably right around five thousand people, you know, watching you and just the adrenaline rush that you do get. And that's something that I would say I'm kind of like chasing and just in the job field currently is some some way somehow I could fi- somehow get that feeling that right. rush yes that yeah, rush yeah. that you just I'll, I haven't really had since high school really I've kind of kept that you know it's something maybe to look forward to you know I've been this this will be my 35th football season mm-hmm. calling games and you still do get that rush now I'm not going to say every regular season game you, yeah. you get that but when you it's like it's like a, a light bulb turns on once the playoff starts it's yeah. like that, that's the real season, you know, and you get geeked up for every game. You really do a lot of your homework. You're excited about it. You show up, you know, everybody is fighting for that Ford Field slot. I mean, it's it's just intense, and it's pure football and pure excitement. That's the, that's the part I like. The adrenaline mm-hmm. stays there. I was going to ask you one question, though. We've all gone through it. Now you've gone through it, what, you've been out three or four three years? years? Three years. How was that first year when when it, it came around to fall? Yeah, it sucks. It you sucks, feel, doesn't it? I remember going to the very first Corona like versus Owasso game that very next fall. Yeah, and just like watching it, and you feel like kind of like a loser. There's really no other way to put it. You feel like a loser. So that's pretty typical, I think. <laughs> you, I mean, you, it does suck to put it in your word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely. I remember that those, those first couple of years going back to games and just thinking like, man, I, I do really miss this. And maybe especially for us because we didn't go on and play in college. Right. You know, that was that was the last chance we had to play. But you know, I think it. I don't think there's anything wrong with 
reminiscing about that stuff with mm-hmm. your friends. I mean, those are some of the coolest memories that probably some of the coolest memories you'll ever make in your life, you know, playing with your best friends that you grew up with under those Friday night lights. So I know sometimes people talk about, oh, you're living in the glory days or you see in the movies those. Al Bundy's. So yeah, Al Bundy wearing the varsity jacket, going to the KP. I hope you're not wearing your varsity jacket <laughs> to the KP, Jared. But, you know, so th- there is a line there, but no. I, I, I'm always proud to, like, when we talk, start talking about our memories playing football and stuff like that, it's some of the coolest stories we have. Yeah. So I, I have no shame in that. Something you wouldn't think of that I also kind of miss about being, like, a high school football player is if there's, like, a new rap song or something, like a hype song that comes out, it's not the same as, like, when you were preparing for a season or getting ready for weightlifting, like, uh, as a senior, like when, a, you know, a great, like, rap song or a hype song just came out. Nowadays, I listen to one of those, and it's like, what am I even getting, like, hype for? Mm. So, not quite the same. That's, yeah. what our, that's something you don't really think about, but you do kind of understand. Yeah, I would never no, thought of true. that. That's true. I've thought about that, too. Like, when, yeah, when those songs come out, like, when you're playing, yeah, you'd put it in your playlist or, mm. you know, for us. We didn't really have playlists back then. We were making, like, mixtapes and stuff, mixed yep. CDs. Yeah, you'd put it in your warm-up tape or, you know, whatever. But now, yeah, you're getting hyped to, like, drive to the grocery store, I guess, or something like that. Or to, to run a mile and a half on the treadmill, like, just to <laughs> right. try and maintain some semblance of shape. Like, it just doesn't quite have the same ring to it. Well, I think our listeners can tell. We're pretty excited that high school sports is back and uh, here in the fall and football is back mainly is what we're excited about uh you know we're going to be getting it up, teeing up on friday night here and it's it's good to see and by the way anybody listening you want to follow us on uh social media we're at three point pod we've, we've been getting a lot of great response if you want to send us an email any suggestions for guests or anything hit us up three point pod at gmail.com and uh, we just appreciate you joining us here for this third annual boys can you believe it third annual prep pigskin preview pod i mean it's, it's hard to believe and it's it's become pretty popular we've got a lot of great support i know jared you've said it before that you wish like when you were playing there was something like this it is pretty cool like to think about a, a preview from every area of the state if you're mm-hmm. into high school football in michigan the show is uh, is right up your alley well the reason i like this prep preview is because uh, like like a shawasi county like argus press i can't wait to hear what like ryan weiss who the players are to watch in our county you know, some every every each county that people listen to this, they have that. They have like their own region where they're kind of excited to hear what the news media has to say about them. Well, we're going to be checking in with him. We're going to go all the way up to the UP and uh, see what's going on up there. And we're also going to set the stage for this season with Jeff Kimmerly of the MHSAA. It's going to be a fun podcast, guys, and uh, we're glad everybody's tuned in. Well, next up on the podcast, we're going to get you kind of settled in with what is happening from the Michigan High School Athletic Association. I would say they have been, um, let's just say, fairly busy since about mid-March. We're going to be joined by Jeff Kimmerly. And Jeff, first of all, that's where I want to start. You know, it's been uh, up and down uh, all around the world here as far as high school sports go. You know, spring got canceled. The district championships in basketball got canceled. Uh, COVID has taken over the world, so to speak. And uh, just first of all, before we talk about the return of high school football tell me a little bit about what's been going on in the offices over there in Lansing you know, you know really the last six weeks and, and honestly the last six months have been unlike anything any of us have experienced either in our office or outside of our office of course it's been very you know very busy the last six weeks uh, trying to get things put back together uh, having teams practicing then having them not practicing then having sports come back entirely 
Uh, so we're excited, obviously, about all that. It's starting to feel at least a little bit normal. You, you see football on TV during the weekends. Uh, we're talking about sports in the office actually going on as opposed to trying to get them going on again. And so that's exciting, but certainly it's been a lot of plans made, plans thrown away, and then new plans made again. And uh, it's nice to be to be moving forward, you know, at least some way, somehow now. Well, you know, I love working with you guys over there. I did have a different opinion at the beginning. I just want to ask you kind of, it's, it's not really a softball question, but I would like to know really what was going on, uh, you know, in the thought process, the discussions when it was decided that, hey, you know what, we're going to cancel the fall sports and play in the spring. I mean, was there was there lots of debate? Was it just a hot topic over there with a close call? Can you give us a little insight on where the MHSA came up with the initial, you know, we're just going to postpone it till spring? Sure. So so we had started, and we're talking about football. Football, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. Yep. Uh, we, we had started out the first week of practice, August 10th, and that was with helmets only and some, some lower contact things. And we made it through the first week, and that Friday we had full pads coming up the following Monday, and we still hadn't gotten uh, really full clearance as far as the executive orders go to have a uh, football competition and, and you know full-fledged the sport as we know it uh, this fall. So that was certainly on our council members' minds, and then a number of them had received uh, some pretty negative feedback from people that they represent, saying they didn't want to move forward. And we surveyed all of our schools uh, really over a 24-hour period and, and heard back from just about everybody. Uh, and it was only about a 60-40 split uh, of schools that wanted to go on. So it, it, all those things together, but really, you know, I think the fact that we weren't allowed to, to play yet, I think that was a big one. Uh, those things all contributed to the decision. Uh, you know, you fast forward a couple weeks and things change and now we are able to play and, and that 60-40 split is kind of a, a distant memory. I think out of the 608 football playing schools that we have, I think 593 are playing. So obviously, you know, about 15 have chosen to, to not play at all or to try and play in the spring. But people have, have gotten uh, more encouraged to do this and, and uh, I think they realize that we have all the precautions there that we can have and, and have a chance to do this safely. And, and so we're, we, we've seen the other difference there, too, that's big, is we've seen other states do this as well. Indiana's through three weeks of games. Ohio, I think, is through two weeks of games. Wisconsin has started. A lot of states have started. I think 33 states total are playing fall football. So it's being done, and, and I think that is that has helped uh, – you know, clear the way for Michigan as well. You know, it, it had to be an immense pressure, you know, on, on you guys over there at the association, including the, the head chief there, Mark Ewell. I heard a lot of his updates on a, a, a different radio source. And, uh, man, he was in a, between a rock and a hard place, without a doubt. And you brought up the fact that, you know, you had to wait for the okay from the governor's office. And I will say this. <laughs> i got to give you good high praise on this. You didn't waste any time once the go-ahead was given. I mean, you, you, you moved it forward pretty quickly. Well, and I, I think everybody was ready, and we were only about a week removed from having stopped practice. So it, it didn't take a lot to get things ready to go again. You know, and of course, you're always thinking about contingency plans and things like that. And luckily, we were, we were able to put some of those things into place. But yeah, it, it definitely was, I don't want to call it a no-win situation, because I think we've come out on a good place. But 
when you're thinking health and safety is driving your entire conversation and you want people to not get sick, but at the same time, you also know all the things that are going on with students' mental health. And now you're seeing that places are able to do this and do it safely, and you know that that's important for our students as well. Uh, it, it's, it's trying to figure out the best possible way to do the best possible thing for, for everybody. So I think we're there. Uh, I hope we're there. I, I, I feel pretty strongly about it. I know that we have the, the things that we've put out there that programs need to do to be safe. This is nationally vetted stuff uh, by medical people from all over the country. Uh, high-ranking with the National Federation, uh, Sports Medicine Advisory Committee people nationally and with the MHSAA. I mean, we have, we've turned over every stone for this whole thing, and so we're confident that moving forward we can, we can have a season. And, and you know what? It's not going to be – I don't think anybody has any uh, thought that this is going to be a normal year. Obviously, we're starting with week four. Uh, I'm talking to you three or four weeks later than I usually do. Yeah. But – uh, at the same time, I think we're going to make the best of it and, and have a good, good season. I agree with you. One thing that's come out of this that I don't know if there's talk about maybe down the road uh, instituting it, but at the end of this six-game regular season, all participants, all teams are eligible for the playoffs and get to play another game. Uh, is that something, if it goes well, you might look at that down the road and, and forget the six wins thing? Because, you know, let's face it, there's a lot of schools out there that uh, – let's just say milk their schedule to make sure they could get six wins. And, and this way everybody's in just like in basketball. Well, and, and you know, it, it kind of is lost a little bit in uh, the conversation this year because of, of how different things have been, but six wins was already out for this year. It was, it was a new playoff formula. It was still oh, a limited right. playoff field. It was still 206 teams uh, for 11 player and, and then two divisions for eight player. But you know, this does give us a chance to try something else that people have suggested from time to time. Do I think we're going to go there eventually? I don't know. It's, it's a possibility. It is the one sport, the one head-to-head team sport where every team doesn't make the playoffs. But at the same time, it's, it's about schools also uh, deciding if they want to give up a, a, a game they can schedule at the end of their regular season versus having that be a playoff game. And, and that's a conversation we'd have to have as well. So I, I think it definitely gives us a valuable opportunity, uh, you know, inadvertently, to be honest, to try something else. And, and hey, we, we have a couple ideas in a couple sports that we're going to have to put into play that might uh, might give us some be, be fruitful down the road. Well, I appreciate all the work you guys have put into things. And, uh, by the way, my six wins a goof there. Uh, I don't blame it to my old age. I blame it to COVID brain. That's my new phrase. <laughs> Well, I, I think uh, I think you're not alone there on, on not remembering that. I mean, just talk about it. Any other year, that would be a massive story. Yep. And this year, it's completely forgotten, and we're not even using it. Uh, obviously, we're using some some tenants of it. Uh, you know, because we're still going to be seeding teams within their districts and, and whatnot. But uh, we're not using it in its truest form, where as otherwise it would have absolutely dominated. It would have dominated headlines, and I actually remember giving an uh, interview about it at the end of July, which, of course, isn't going to get used because, you know, that things went upside down after that. No doubt about it. Well, listen, Jeff Kimmerly out of the MHSAA, I appreciate the time as always, and, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a different uh, prep pigskin preview, but uh, we're glad to be back in action, and we, we appreciate you joining us here. 
Well, and, and you guys provide such a valuable service, and, and this year, probably more than ever before, and I mean, we've known each other for 20 years, yep. and I, I can say that with the, with the fact that a lot of fans cannot be inside uh, the stadium this year, what, what you guys do is more important now than probably ever. Yeah, we're hoping for a big ratings boost, that's for sure. There you go. All right, Jeff. Hey, thanks a lot again. Well, next up on this special podcast, we're going to take a look at the Shiawassee County area with Ryan Weiss, the sports editor of the Argus Press. Uh, you cover the beat that I'm very familiar with here, Shiawassee County and the surrounding areas. Uh, you know, I, when you look at the top teams, I suppose you got to look back at New Lothrop again. What are some of the other teams, uh, you know, that you expect to do very well this year? Uh, I'm looking at Morris. They're bringing back a lot of what they – uh, you know, had from that semifinal team in, you know, in the eight-man division last year, uh, namely Johnny Carpenter, uh, who was kind of a breakout player for them at quarterback last year. I don't know if anybody remembers this, you know, but they won the, you know, the 2018 state title. And then last year, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people expected a lot from them because they lost, I believe, 15 other 16 starters from that title team. So they kind of came out of nowhere last year and went 9-1 and one in the regular season, or I believe 8-1 and one in the regular season. Uh, made it to the state semifinals and then lost to the eventual state champion. You know, so they're bringing back a lot of talent from that team. Uh, I think they're going to be one to watch out. You, know, you mentioned New Lothrop. You know, they're going to have to replace Avery Moore, but they kind of, you know, found that guy last year in the Duran game, if you remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cam Orr uh, came on for Avery when he was hurt for a week or so there and ran for seven touchdowns and made a bunch of headlines. So he looks to be the guy in New Lothrop. Uh, you know, there always seems like they're bringing back. You know, it, it actually doesn't matter. It seems like it matters much what, who they bring back. They're always good. Clint Galvis has a well-oiled machine there. He's turning out wins, you know, 10, 12 wins every season, it seems like. So they're definitely going to be a team to watch again. Any, any possible surprises, you think, coming out of the pack? Uh, just looking from our, at last year's uh, football preview, it seems Durand is going to have a lot of returners. You know, if everybody that was an underclassman comes back, you know, this year, I haven't heard from the coach yet on who's specifically coming back, but they had a lot of juniors, you know, on that team that went 5-5 five and five last year and made the playoffs for the first time in, in 10 years or so. So I think uh, they're going to be uh, a team to kind of maybe that goes under the radar. And another team that I'm kind of watching out for is Byron. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're apparently a playoff contender. They got a new coach this year. Uh, you might remember the name, uh, A.J. Morley. Yeah. Was a, the Eagles quarterback, I believe, like in the 2012 season. Um, so, you know, I'm starting to get old when <laughs> players who I used to cover you know, in high school are now becoming head coaches. <laughs> Before we end this call here, Ryan, again, you mentioned it briefly, the prep preview. Tell our listeners, because I know that's uh, that's always very popular. It gives a lot of great information. You guys work very hard on it. You said it's a little bit condensed this coming season, but when can they look to uh, pick that up at their newsstands? Uh, we're shooting for a Friday uh, uh, print, which means it's going to come out with Friday's print edition. So we're hopefully going to have this thing out um you know, before the season X, or I guess for the season opener, it's going to be, you know, probably, you know, a little little bit lighter than what you're used to. Uh, you know, we usually do previews of, you know, preview stories of all 10 teams, uh, and there's just not, you know, time to do that this year. But we're going to have a nice uh, little preview, uh, kind of, you know, highlighting, you know, what's all been going on here in the unusual year of 2020, you know, and the restart of football. We are going to have smaller looks at each team. 
but that is hopefully going to be uh, on newsstands Friday if we can get if we can uh, pull everything together here in the next few days. Well, we're looking forward to it, and uh, we're also even though football start, we're looking forward to the end of this wretched year of 2020, and hope we can get some normalcy back. Uh, tell our listeners best way to follow you and follow the Argus, uh, you know, online. Uh, well, our website is argus-press.com, and then you can follow us on social media. You can search for the Argus Press on Facebook. We put a lot of our sports stuff on there. Uh, but the big one for us is Twitter. We do a lot of score posting. So we can be found at, at Argus Preps. Outstanding. Ryan Wise, the uh, sports editor of the Argus Press. Thanks for joining us again for our third edition of our prep preview. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Thanks a lot, Ted. Well, next up on the podcast is Brian Calloway of the Lansing State Journal. He's going to give us a look at what's going on in the Lansing area. And let's pick your brain a little bit. I know it's definitely uh, an odd season. Normally you would have your prep previews out in August, you know, and we'd be having our – heck, we're heading into week four already technically. But uh, can you give me a, a look at what you think is going to be the teams we should be watching out for in the Lansing area? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, definitely, you know, Lansing area had a pair of state champions last year and, and Lansing Catholic and Paloma West Villa. And, you know, those two programs have, you know, annually been good year in and year out and, you know, some of the best teams in the state in their division. And obviously, I think, you know, Paloma West Villa has won three state titles in the last four years. So, you know, they're a team that you definitely would expect to, you know, be there in the mix in the Division 7 once again. And, you know, there's, Ithaca's obviously a, a annual power as well too, and has has done well. Uh, you know, a couple early playoff exits the last couple of years, which isn't you know up to their normal standards, but always a team to be reckoned with just with the style of, of, of football that they play. And you know, Dewitt as a team in our area, you know, back to back trips to the Division Three uh, state semifinals, and you know they've got some talent back from that squad, so they're obviously a good team to watch out for. East Lansing is another team, you know, with obviously two of the the best senior football players in the state when you look at uh, Michigan commit Andrew Anthony Jr. and, you know, Michigan State offensive lineman uh, commit uh, Ethan Boyd. So, I mean, they're a team that also could uh, you know, do some things. And you know, some other schools, you know, Mason has, has come off a 9-0, uh, their first perfect regular season ever. And you know, Portland is a program that's annually good and up there in the mix in Division Five as well, too. And you know, Fowlerville is a team also that, you know, you want to throw out there as well, too, that – that could make some noise. So I think those are just kind of, you know, some of the teams in here in the greater Lansing area that definitely uh, are teams that people should watch out for. So we really appreciate you joining us here, giving us a little look at the Lansing area as we get things kicked off again officially Friday night. Brian Calloway of the Lansing State Journal. Again, thanks for uh, for joining us, and maybe give our listeners your Twitter handle. Yeah, the Twitter handle is at Brian, B-R-I-A-N underscore Calloway. C-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y. I'm Jason Hutton from Fox 17 in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we're getting ready for the 2020 high school football season. Start out with the three players to watch in the West Michigan area, and I'm going to start with the big fellow from Godwin Heights, Ruquan Buckley, 6'6", 280 pounds, offensive tackle, defensive end. When his recruitment started, a lot of schools wanted him as an offensive tackle, but we had the chance to talk to him just a couple of weeks ago, and, and he feels like school now are leaning more towards playing defense, and he loves playing defense. That's kind of what he wants to do, but he said he'd be happy to do either. Uh, he's got all kinds of interests. 13 of the 14 Big Ten schools have offered him. The only one that hasn't is Iowa, and I'm told that's because 
Iowa only offers in person, and due to COVID-19 and recruiting restrictions, they haven't been able to see him in person. But he's got plenty of other offers from the ACC like Florida State, the Pac-12 like Oregon, and the SEC like Arkansas. So a lot to choose from. He is going to announce his commitment on his birthday, October 14th. A lot of people think he's going to go to Nebraska. Certainly it seems like his top three although he wouldn't say this, are Nebraska, Minnesota, and Michigan State. Uh, we'll see what happens here in a little over a month. But Ruquan Buckley is a big fellow that can really move, and a lot of people want him. We'll get a good look at him in our game of the week, the first game of the season on September 18th when Godwin Heights hosts Spire. Looking forward to that. Another player we're really watching this year is the wide receiver from Grand Rapids Catholic Central, Jace Williams. I mean, this guy's been so impressive the last couple of seasons. Uh, going up and getting the ball has good size. Uh, great athletic ability on the outside, uh, had an early offer from Michigan State, was probably a Spartan lean, but that was under the old staff of Mark D'Antonio. Since the new staff has come in, again, because of COVID-19, they just haven't had a really good chance to take a look at him. So his play this season is going to be huge because he's also got offers from Iowa, Nebraska, Indiana, Kentucky, Boston College, plenty more. But if Michigan State can come in and see him and likes what they see, which I don't know why they wouldn't, you'd think there's a pretty good chance he could end up in East Lansing next year. But, hey, as we know, 2020 has been unpredictable. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, a third player to watch is the quarterback at Mona Shores, Brady Rose. And he's not probably going to be a Division One football player, but if you love watching high school football players that can really get it done, this guy's so much fun to watch. He's 5'7", 150 pounds, which is the only reason he wouldn't be a Division One football player because he's small. But he is such a great athlete. And his dad, Ken Rose, was the head coach at Mona Shores before uh, Matt Koziak took over the current head coach uh, 10 or so years ago. So he, he's been around the program growing up. His IQ is off the charts, both football IQ and just everyday IQ. He's a super smart kid, a really good football player. Last year, he was not the team's quarterback because they had Caden Brorsma, who's now at Ferris State, but Brorsma was hurt in the first two games. Rose was incredible, and then Brorsma gets hurt again in the state semifinal. Rose leads into an incredible, incredible semifinal win over Wild Lake Western, and then the state championship over Martin Luther King. This year, it's Brady Rose, a quarterback from Mona Shores, and they're going to be one of the top teams in the state. Once again, he's a ton of fun to watch. you got to see him. He's worth the price of admission. Obviously, a little different this year because can't really go to games unless you get a ticket from an athlete. But Brady Rose, fun to watch. All right, three teams to watch always in Michigan. We're going to talk about Muskegon because the Big Reds, seven straight years to four, or uh, seven of the last eight years to Ford Field, um, 2017 state champions, runners up each of the last two years. But Cameron Martinez is off to Ohio State. So what will the Big Reds look like without Cameron Martinez? It's hard to imagine the team having a player at his level losing him to graduation and then not taking at least a small step back. Well, the Big Reds have Amari Crowley at quarterback. He's a different type of quarterback. He's not going to be the pound the ball like they would do with Cameron Martinez. He's more of a, a guy who can throw it a little bit, but he runs it pretty well. Also, uh, we were told he was going to play some quarterback last year, but we saw mostly Cam Martinez there. But the Big Reds really like Amari Crowley. And so, as always, Muskegon's going to be fun to watch. In fact, their second game of the year, they're going to host Mona Shores in a battle of two teams that played at Ford Field last year. It'd be a ton of fun. Another team I really like this year is the Granville Bulldogs. Uh, 16 of 22 starters back off, off a team that w- was in it for the OK Red right up until the final week of the season last year. They were a playoff team last year. You know, they dealt with injuries a year ago, especially at the quarterback position at one point onto their third quarterback. 
But with so many guys back, Eric Stegall's done such a good job in his time at Granville. They run the wing tee, and with all those guys, I think they're going to compete for that league title again. I have them as a top three or four team uh, in West Michigan going into this year. And a third team I'm really going to look at this year is Byron Center. Now, the Bulldogs had that incredible 9-0 and regular season a year ago, the first time in program history they went 9-0 and in the regular season. And mostly it was juniors that were leading the way on that team. But the, one of the most important guys was a senior, Austin Vandermark, their quarterback, who just kind of made them go. And he was sort of a guy like Brady Rose that isn't going to be a Division One football player. In fact, he's, he's pitching at Davenport uh, now. But he was such a winner and really made that team go. So they have to figure out who's going to play quarterback. But they're really good a lot of other places. Uh, and they'll play in the OK White this year after realignment, which brings us to our three storylines for the 2020 season. And it starts with realignment of the divisions in the OK Conference. Teams moving everywhere. The OK Red mostly stays the same. It just adds Jenison. But you look at the OK Green now because the OK Black is disbanded. Muskegon, Mona Shores, and Holland come into the green to join Muskegon, Reese Puffer, and Mona Shores. So now you look at these top four programs all in one division, Zealand East, Zealand West, Muskegon and Mona Shores, that's going to make up for some great football games here in 2020. And then Byron Center comes into the OK White. East Grand Rapids and Grand Rapids Christian come back to the OK White after a couple of years in the OK Gold. And you still have Forest Hill Central and Northview there, which are really good programs. In fact, I think Forest Hill Central and Byron Center might be the top two teams in that OK White. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, you look at um, the OK Gold, Cedar Springs, which won the last two whites, goes down to the gold. And then you have Graham's Catholic Central, which has dominated the OK Blue, comes up to the OK Gold. So that's a matchup the third week of the season. They'll probably pass that league title. That's two great programs. And you have Unity Christian, which also was in the OK Green. They go to the OK Blue this year. They're incredible program history. They won a state title two years ago. They won three straight regional titles. They've never won a conference championship. But I think they're the favorites in the OK Blue this year. So it'll take some time for us to kind of get everything in order of who's where. But the realignment in the OK Conference, to me, is a big storyline. Storyline number two. Rockford's Ralph Munger retires after 28 years of leading the Rams, three state championships, and Brent Cummings takes over. Uh, the incredible pedigree for Brent Cummings. He was on a state championship team at Belding, played at the University of Michigan. Uh, he has incredible coaching pedigree, too. His dad, Wes Cummings, was an outstanding baseball coach at both Belding and then Davenport University. He was a Hall of Fame uh, athlete at Rockford, so the lineage at Rockford as well. But what's interesting here is Rockford had almost their pick of coaches. I mean, guys with multiple state championships wanted to be the head coach at Rockford, and they went with internal uh, an assistant in Brent Cummings. So how will the Rams look this year? I tell you what, they have a ton of talent because they've got a senior class that had a ton of starters last year on an outright OK Red team, and they have a junior class that's won a ton of games coming up through the lower level. So I think Rockford has the potential to be really, really good, but how will they look without Ralph Munger? Because it's hard to remember a Rockford team without Ralph Munger at the helm. And the third storyline is, this is going to be pretty much statewide, is what are teams going to look like, especially in these first couple of games? Because we had a week of practice in August, then we're off for three weeks, and now they're back and have a very short amount of time to start preparing to play games, and there's not a lot of hitting going on. How will these teams look when they get on the field to face each other next Friday night? Boy, I'm not really sure what we're going to get. It'll be interesting to see who's ready to play and who's not because it's a tough situation, obviously, dealing with everything that's going on in 2020. So we'll have the 
Fox 17 Blitz, uh, 30 minutes this year from 1045 to 1115 on Fox 17 every Friday night starting this upcoming Friday. And then we're going to be doing a lot more in-game stuff this year on Facebook Live, on Twitter. We're going to run a ticker under our programming on Fox 17 from starting at 7 o'clock when games start all the way through the end of the Blitz, actually all the way through the end of the 11 o'clock news at 1130, trying to keep people updated on what's going on because certainly there's going to be people that want to be at games this year that won't be able to because it's only two spectators per athlete. So we're going to try to do our best here as games are progressing to keep people updated that are interested. So that's what 2020 looks like here at Fox 17. Uh, Certainly different, but it's high school football, and we're always looking forward to it. Hey, guys, what's going on? The Three Point Podcast. I'm happy to join them for this one. My name is Justin Rose. I'm a sports anchor and reporter at WXYZ in Detroit, Michigan. High school football is back in the state of Michigan starting this upcoming Friday. Really exciting times. I know the kids have been working hard all summer long. They're excited to have an opportunity to get back out there on the field and continue to pursue their dreams. A lot of talent in the 2021 class and the 2020 class, for that matter, here in the state of Michigan. A couple storylines, a couple of guys to watch for. Obviously, West Bloomfield running back Donovan Edwards. I mean, this is the country's third best ranked running back, and he's still undecided. He's got offers pretty much from every D1 school worth a lick. So he's still kind of surveying what he wants to do. I'm hearing a lean towards Oklahoma, but Michigan State was his hometown kid school. He like, grew up loving the Spartans and what Mark D'Antonio did there. Let's see if Mel Tucker can make a late play for him. But also Michigan, Jim Harbaugh making a big push to try to get Edwards to come and tow the rock for them in Ann Arbor starting next year. Plenty of more talent on that West Bloomfield team. We'll talk about them more in a second. Another guy I'm really interested to watch play this year is Damon Payne out of Belleville. Belleville is one of those talent-rich D1 schools that just continues to produce talent. This kid, no different. He's in the top 50 in pretty much every ranking system where you look. He's going to Alabama to play for Nick Saban, and you know Saban doesn't recruit defensive front guys that don't have NFL futures. So this is a kid, you know, six three and a half, almost 300 pounds in high school. Think about what he can do at the gridiron level, at the next level. So that'll be really interesting to watch. And the final guy that I really want to look at is Rashawn Benny out of Oak Park. I mean, this kid, he's a 6'5", 275-pound, top 200 player nationally, and he's another one of those guys that is being sought after by a lot of people. Still uncommitted. It looks like it's down to Michigan, Michigan State, and Kentucky for his services. So that'll be really interesting to see what he decides to do there. But out of Oak Park, and they've produced some big talent over the years as well. Now let's move on to some of the teams to keep an eye out for. And it's funny, I mentioned uh, Talent Rich. You, you can't go anywhere else in the state of Michigan without starting at Cass Tech and Detroit King, two of the perennial powerhouses in the state each and every single year. They actually kick off the season against each other this week, which is rare for them because they're two PSL teams that usually don't play in the regular season. They usually play in the PSL tournament. That'll be interesting to see because, I mean, these, these teams are just stacked with talent that's going to D1, D2, and especially D3. So I'm really interested to see which team emerges from that game in the first game of the year. And then if the rematch happens, which it likely will towards the end of the season, who goes on and then who makes a big push down to the state playoff level. Another team I really want to be uh, looking at is Clarkston. I mean, this is a team uh, from the northern part of Metro Detroit that's got two offensive tackles, both going D1 and Rocco Spindler going to Notre Dame. And the other kid is Garrett Billinger. He's another great top 100 player. So 
I mean, to have two elite talents on the bookends of your offensive line in high school pretty much makes you a dominant force. So Clarkston trying to win another state championship. Uh, they won it, I believe, last year, if not two years ago. So that's another team to watch there. And the final team, you always have to kind of mention them when you talk about pushing for a state championship is West Bloomfield. This is a team coached by former Michigan linebacker Rod Bellamy. I mean, he, he's a great guy. He does a great program. And he continues to churn out a lot of talent. He's got not only Donovan Edwards towing the rock for him, but another kid who's a junior. He'll be a top 25 kid as well. So uh, Tatum, Dylan Tatum, that, that, that's just an unbelievable prospect as well. So really interesting to watch. As far as conferences go, I mean, this is a year that basically everyone's playing all of their games in conference. So there is no warm-up. And as we've seen in the NFL and in college football, for that matter, everyone's a little sluggish to get started this season there has been no preseason it's been a lot of individual workouts not a ton of team drilling and everything's been kind of condensed so this is the season that we'll have in the state of michigan this year a lot of conference games so everything is meaningful one thing i will note the state of michigan is going to let every team that participates in football make the playoffs no matter what so that's kind of a unique thing is you play the games and then you'll start the playoffs and everyone will be included and that'll really kind of be a different little niche to this 2020 season as we continue to try to push forward through this coronavirus. Again, my name is Justin Rose. I work at WXYZ in Detroit, Michigan. You can follow me on Twitter at JRoseWXYZ or on Facebook, Justin Rose WXYZ. Three-point podcast, you guys guys are doing a great job. Appreciate you having me on. We'll talk to you soon. Well, next up on this special prep preview, we're going to go talk to WNEM sports reporter Jason Fielder and tell our listeners uh, what to look forward to every Friday night during the newscast. Well, it's Friday Night Lights once again. I mean, Scott and I, I believe it's now, he just went past his 14-year anniversary at TV5, and I'm nearing my 14 years. We started in the same year in 2006 together. And so uh, 14th Friday Night Lights for us together and Friday Night Lights doing the TV5 News at 11. It's more important than ever with the limits of spectators at games. Oh, yeah. Some schools will, will be streaming their, their games, but those cameras generally are, are from a distance. We are right there on the sidelines. So now more than ever, our shooting games and showing the highlights is, is just as important as ever with people not being able to, to go to games. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait. I can't. I hope it all gets and get their season in. And it's we've got one of the the best areas in the state for high school football. Every year we have at least one team uh, make Ford Field. And I mean, last year it was Davison, and they won a state championship. Uh, football is huge. Sports is huge in this area, and it's one of the reasons why I've stuck around as long as I have. Yeah, um, because. The people here love their sports, and I love covering it for them. Well, you talk about Davidson before we wrap up. I mean, their star quarterback, Brendan Sullivan, a Corona kid, uh, you know, on his way to play collegiate football in the Big Ten for Northwestern. What a story that is. Now, I've seen him grow up, and uh, he's the real deal. I was really surprised Michigan State or Michigan didn't uh, jump on a little harder. Yeah, I, I agree. And there are a lot of kids in that program that bought in you know, to, to Coach Weingarts when he came in. And Coach Weingarts is a he's, – I mean, he, he's a he's a long-tenured coach. Yeah. Who's a winner. And, and going from Lapeer East, and then when Lapeer joined, you know, he wanted the job and didn't get it. 
but because of Coach Smith having seniority and, and Jake took on his responsibility as a coordinator and helped in the process of Lapeer High becoming a consolidated program when West East joined. And so for him to then get the Davison job was absolutely perfect. A school like that with the tradition, and they'd come close, you know, probably in the decade or so prior to him being the head coach, there was a couple times where they came close to breaking through to Ford Field, and for him to finally get them there and win the title, I mean, it's just a storybook finish for a guy who's a, just an outstanding high school football coach and who paid his dues and led a, a – there's so many talented teams, you know. There's so many talented teams throughout the state, and you got to have a lot of things go your way. you got to have an outstanding coach and leadership and a great staff, too. And, and everything came together. The rest came together for Davidson last year. And it'll just be fun to see which team or teams from the CSI viewing area – has that recipe this year because we know we're going to get at least one. We do every year. Absolutely. Well, listen, we appreciate the time here, Jason Fielder. We look forward to watching you on Friday nights, and I'll just tell you this, Baba Booey to you, man. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> Baba Booey to everyone listening, and uh, <laughs> bye for now. This is Scott Bernstein from the Oakland Press and State Champs reporting straight from Metro Detroit about the 2020 football season. West Bloomfield is the team to beat in the OAA Red this year, which is possibly top to bottom the best league in the state. West Bloomfield is defending OAA Red champs and will battle it out with Oak Park up from the OAA White, Lake Orion, Oxford, Southfield A&T, and Clarkston. West Bloomfield's led by a dynamic backfield two All-Americans in Donovan Edwards and Dylan Tatum, Edwards is a senior, Tatum is a junior, and they will be the ultimate fire and ice combo out of Oakland County. Their offensive line is led by a blue chipper and Amir Herring, a sophomore that already has a lot of offers and a lot more coming down the pike. Their secondary has Gavin Hardiman, who's headed to Air Force, holding down the safety spot, and Maxwell Harrison, a Kentucky commit, and maybe the best cover corner in Metro Detroit at a cornerback spot. The quarterback will be Alex Short, who two years ago quarterback Cranbrook and came in to West Bloomfield in 2019 to back up C.J. Harris, who's currently at Ohio. Short takes the reins this year and is already getting college looks. Detroit Kings will be looking to return to Ford Field in Division II, led by sophomore quarterback Dante D.J. Moore, who might be the best quarterback in the Midwest for the class of 2023. Moore threw for 3,000 yards and 33 touchdowns last year and taking his team into the state finals where they lost to Mona Shores. He'll connect with sophomore Kenny Merriweather and junior Lynn Weichel in the passing game. Both Weichel and Merriweather are considered college recruits as well. Coming off a surprise run to the Final Four last year, Sterling Heights-Stevenson is the team to beat out of Macomb County. Stevens' offensive line will be anchored by Giovanni El Hadi, the Michigan commit who plays on both sides of the ball. He'll be protecting junior quarterback Biagio Madonna, who had a breakout in the playoffs last year, helping Stevenson make that miracle run into the Final Four. Jordan Ramsey has breakout potential at the running back spot and is already getting a lot of interest from Division I programs. On defense, Jordan Kiakowski had a huge summer and is beginning to attract college attention as well. He goes sideline to sideline as well as anybody in the MAC conference. Here are three players to watch for this year in Metro Detroit. At the quarterback position, Wildlake Western, Zach Trainer could be pound for pound the best quarterback in the senior class. Trainers committed to Eastern Illinois, 
but there's a good chance that Big Ten and Big 12 schools could come in on him before signing day. Trainer had a gigantic junior season last year, leading Western to the Division II Final Four, throwing for 4,000 yards and 44 touchdowns against only four interceptions, and he missed three games. Damon Payne is a name to watch for on the line for Belleville. He's the number one prospect in the senior class in the state of Michigan. He's headed to Alabama. Payne's numbers might not be huge. He might not have over 50 tackles. But believe me, Payne's impact will be felt. He'll be taking double and triple teams all season, allowing for other players on his defense to run wild. Coming out of the Catholic League, junior linebacker Jordan Cannon will lead the Orchard Lake St. Mary's defense. Last year as a sophomore, Cannon helped St. Mary's to a Catholic League Central Championship. Cannon comes from a long line of great Orchard Lake St. Mary's running backs. Starting in the 90s with David Bowens going into the 2000s and 2010s with the Ross brothers, both heading to Michigan, Jordan Cannon has a Michigan and Michigan State offer after in 2019 he collected 75 tackles, 6 sacks, and 10 hurries. Here are some storylines to watch for in Metro Detroit. River Rouge will be going for a repeat in Division Three, with the bulk of their lineup back and a number of Division One bound college stars in the lineup. Marianne Rabowski, the quarterback, will be headed to Western Michigan in 2021, but he's back in 2020 to headline the offense. Some coaching changes to make note of in the Catholic League. At Warren De La Salle, Dan Roan has taken over for Mike Giannone in the wake of the hazing scandal. Roan comes over from the west side of the state in Grand Rapids West Catholic, where he won five Division V state championships. Over at Catholic Central, Kevin Glenn has taken over the offense and will inject a new offensive philosophy for the traditional smash-mouth, ground-and-pound Shamrocks. Kevin Glenn has a history in the Catholic League, having quarterbacked Detroit DePores to two state championships in the 1990s before going on to a star-studded college career at Illinois State and then a long storied career in the CFL where he won a CFL championship and was the CFL MVP in 2007. There will be some historic line play in Metro Detroit this year as three squads have offensive lines for the ages. Starting with Clarkston, Rocco Spindler, Garrett Dellinger, Cole Dellinger, Owen Foster, and Ben Haas make up the Clarkson Wolves' starting offensive line, probably the best offensive line the Wolves have ever seen. Spindler is a four-star recruit that's headed to Notre Dame. Dellinger, a four-star recruit that's headed to LSU. Cole Dellinger, Garrett's brother, is also being recruited by a number of Power 5 schools already. Ben Haas will be headed to the Division II ranks, and Owen Foster is being recruited by Division II, Division III, and NAIA schools. West Bloomfield's offensive line, led by Amir Herring, also has Jaden Green, Caleb Halliburton, Chris Johnson, as well as several other players that will play in college, and they'll be making holes for the electrifying tailback tandem of Donovan Edwards and Dylan Tatum. At Cass Tech, you have five players on the technician's offensive line that will all play college football at the Division One level, possibly at the Power Five level. Out of Metro Detroit, this is Scott Bernstein for the Oakland Press and State Champs signing off. You can get me at my email at BernsteinScott at gmail.com or on Twitter at Bernie's Tweets.
Well, next up, we have to go all the way across the Big Mac and talk with Luke Giardi. Going to give us a little preview of the UP. Before we get to that, Luke, uh, just tell me, you know, how things have been up there across the bridge in dealing with COVID, especially since March 15th. And, you know, now it looks like we're going to get some football in. Yeah, real excited to, to get the season in. We were a little bit worried about it, obviously. Uh, we haven't been hit quite as hard as uh, everyone downstate though but uh uh you know dealing with you know businesses and everything like that supporting them as much as we can but we've been in phase five for quite a while just doing what we can to take it a day by day you know well the new normal means we really start the high school campaign in what would be week four and you know i know things are a little bit of disarray but uh you get a chance maybe to fill me in on on what you know about some of the top teams we ought to be looking for in the upper peninsula Oh, absolutely. I mean, you got to start first and foremost uh, with the Calumet Copper Kings up in the Copper Country and uh, led by head coach John Crows. He's really put a great program together up in Calumet last year, uh, 10-2 and season district championship. They beat Nagani and Menominee by an average of 41-14 to in the playoffs. Uh, ended up losing to Maple City Glen Lake 15-14 to in the regional. They went on to be uh, the Division Six runner-up, but this is a team that returned 16 starters including Dean Locus. He was an all-UP selection as a junior, according to Coach Crow. He's going to play multiple roles this year. And then you've got Dryden Nelson playing running back in DB for the Copper Kings, and uh, they're going to be fantastic. Really a team to look out for uh, if the playoffs are, are the same division. You know, I know everyone's making it here this year, but if they're Division Six again here this year, uh, look for Calumet to make probably another deep run. And uh, another team in the Great Northern Conference, the biggest school in the UP, the Marquette Redmen, uh, they've got a really good team in Eric Mason's uh, second year as the head coach, led by Austin Riddle, their quarterback. He was started as a sophomore last season, threw for over 1,600 yards and 20 TDs as a sophomore, and he got hurt in the opening possession of their final game of the regular season. So really looking forward to seeing the steps that he takes into his year number two starting into his junior campaign. Uh, they also have Cameron Carp, who is a fantastic athlete playing wide receiver and defensive back. He currently holds offers from Northern Michigan University in both football and basketball. So he is a, a tremendous athlete, going to be out there. Marquette went 5-4 and four a year ago, their first great Northern Conference title since 1976, and returning a lot here this year. And finally, I got a bit of a sleeper team. Uh, it's a team that went 1-8 and eight last year, the Gwynn Model Sounders. Uh, they dealt with a tragedy earlier here in 2020. They unexpectedly and suddenly uh, lost their head coach, who tragically passed away, and longtime assistant uh, Ben Olson going to take over for the Model Founders in his first year as head coach. But I mentioned they went 1-8 and eight a year ago. Four of those losses were by one score. They're returning all but two starters and look for junior running back Shafar Evans to make a huge impact on the model pounders this year. So uh, those are some of the top teams and the top players from the UP to look out for here this year in the shortened season. Outstanding. And uh, I got to say the UP has some of the best nicknames around. Who can ever forget the name? The Nimrods. I mean, I love them up there, man. You got some great nicknames. (laughs) <laughs> on a little side topic, <laughs> little side topic. Uh, have you uh, had a chance to view the uh, the documentary on the 1975 Northern Michigan Wildcats? I have not had a chance to see that yet, but I heard that it is outstanding, and what a story that is! From winless to national champions, man, it is. Uh, truly something I, I really do need to see that documentary well uh before we let you go luke tell our listeners the best spot they can uh check you out 
Uh, yeah, you can uh, check me out a couple different places on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Going to be posting updates and scores uh, from all across the UP. And if you ever uh, need to listen in to one of the shows, check out FoxSportsMarquette.com where we're going to be running down the UP football every single week. Well, next up on this special podcast, we're going to see what's happening in high school football in the Thumb area. We're going to check in with Eddie Fury of ThumbTailgator.com. And, well, looking at football now, Eddie, um, you know, any any teams we should be watching out for there in the Thumb? Well, I tell you, very fortunate. Last year, we had, uh, let me see, the Obelie Bearcats and the Gritter Thummies in the state semifinals. We were there to cover that one. We also had uh, the Cass City Redhawks. We had another great uh, media team covering that game also. They were in the state semifinals, losing to Lumen Christie. Ubley lost to Beale City in a classic battle, 21-20. to um, And we also had, in our Blue Water Area Conference team, they made it to the state championship, uh, losing in the state finals. But it was thrilling to finally see Elmont finally make that hill and get to the state finals. And that was just thrilling to be back in Ford Field for a state championship game. And then in eight-player football, uh, we saw the Kingston Cardinals make it to a semifinal also. And I, I still believe in eight-player football that the road to a state final in Division One or Division Two, you got to go through that a North Central Thumb League, either Strikes or Stars Division. It just seems like that's where you gotta, you got to go through some of those teams to get to that state championship. And I know Morris is part of our North Central Thumb League, even though they're kind of located out west. They've been brought in. Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart brought into our North Central Thumb League in eight-player football also. So uh, they've they kind of realigned some of these divisions again. It's known as the North Central Thumb Eight-Man League Stars Division. Decker, of course, one of the top teams. Uh, Kingston Cardinals, Mayville Wildcats, and Morris Orioles. Those are some teams that you'll see in the playoffs, I believe, uh, come uh, uh, you know for the playoffs and all that. The, the, the different thing about the playoffs since we've come off this season, and I'm sure you realize this, is that there's going to be some teams that have never been to the playoffs, and 11-player and 8-player. So – some teams are going to finally experience what being in the playoffs is all about because what the MHSAA has done, everybody gets in the playoffs because it's only a six-game regular season there. So it's going to be kind of extraordinary for some teams who have never been to that uh, at, at that point to get back into that, uh, to, to know what it's all about. Over the North Central Thumb eight-man league in the Stripes division, I do see uh, the Bay City All Saints. They're getting some players from another school, so they're doing a little, little bit of a co-op. Uh, Carson for Port Salic, uh, they got a new head coach. North Huron Warriors, Mount Pleasant, Sacred Heart, Peck Pirates, I do believe those last three teams are some of the top teams. On the outside looking in, I see uh, Bay City Allsays, but don't look past the Ashley Bears. They're now in our North Central Thumb A-Player League in the Stripes Division. The reason why we grabbed some of these teams from out west is to, uh, I guess, the Ashley and Morris just had a hard time uh, trying to find the right fit uh, to play in a league. But we welcome them because we know they're pretty competitive. Plus, it's kind of fun to see a team from out west uh, in the, or in the mid-central division of the state to, to make it this far into a playoffs and kind of still have them under our arms you know, in the fold there. It's nice to root on a team from our league. Yeah, you got... what you usually do by the end of the playoffs. season, can kind of root on uh, teams that kind of rally around. Absolutely, and I mean, you guys are pretty heavily involved in the eight-man game. We've done a few eight-man football games. We did the semifinals last year with Redding and Morris, and that Redding team were, I mean, they had some studs on that team, but it's a fun game uh, to watch, and it's a fun game to call because it is wide open. In the greater Thumb East, I talked about Ugly Bearcats. They didn't win the league title, but they were able 
to defeat the team that beat them for the league title last year, the Harbor Beach Pirates. And that was a big upset. It was a really good running team. Uh, however, the Ugly Bearcats are under a new, different head coach. It was just because uh, Bill Sweeney came back, used to be the old coach for the Ugly Bearcats when they made their state final and state semifinal run. He retired, he was one and done, and he c- committed to that. Into the fold is now new head coach Eric Sweeney for the Ugly Bearcats, but some of the old coaches from the past are also coming back to help him out. And this coach, Eric Sweeney, yes, another Sweeney. There's so many Sweeney's in Ugly, we don't know if they're related or not. It's kind of funny. Eric Sweeney has been heavily involved with the Ugly Bearcats, whether it's on the sidelines, up in the booth. But he's this, this team that he has right now, uh, he has coached in junior high, JV, and now in varsity. So he knows he's all these kids very well. And he's got a really good backfield coming back. They usually run the power tee as much as the Greater Thumb Conference does. I think you're kind of like they're looking to maybe gain the Greater Thumb East League title. However, the league title in the Greater Thumb is going to be a flip of a coin, I do believe. I actually, it'll be all the coaches gathering to decide, kind of like the AP poll uh, in, the, in the yesterday years of the NCAA. They're going to try to decide who's going to be considered the number one team. But it'll be your usual suspects are Harbor Beach Pirates, Sandusky, and Albany. However, I think a lot of talent from the Sandusky Redskins are coming back. There's a really good a running back named DeLorean Wedge who only played in eight games, but he had over near 1,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, I believe, in the regular season. He could not play in the playoffs because he had a broken arm. He was ready to go if, they, if he had to be called upon, but uh, due to injury, he could not play in the playoffs. And he's a huge factor for the Sandusky Redskins. They got a lot of their talent coming back. They got a little bit chip on their shoulder. The loss to those two teams, Ubley and Harbor Beach, who were really good in, in the Greater Thumb East Conference. So I look for them to make a run, too. So it could be a three-team race. And I wouldn't be surprised if Sandusky could try to you know, grab this Greater Thumb East League title before everybody thinks it's considered heavily favored towards Ubley on this. But uh, they, they, DeLorean Wedge was our player of the year also in our Thumb Sports Writers Media Association also. So I, you know, I look to him to pick up where he left off. And he will have help from another player who was playing for the Sandusky Redskins also in a power wing tee. It'll be a Zach Franzo will be coming back also. So they have a good one-two punch in the, in the backfield. The problem is with some of these uh, wing T teams, they kind of stick to that. So if they stick to one side of the offense, I think they need to bounce out a little bit like Harbor Beach does. They can go from the wing T to the spread offense to a power eye also. I, I think Harbor Beach has that created offense to pull that off also. But those are the three top teams in the greater thumb East. Over in the greater thumb West, the Cassidy Redhawks, they were our team of the year in our – media association that we vote on had a great run made it to the state semifinals they lost 27-0 to jackson lumen christie that's nothing to look you know bad upon because lumen christie is one of those powerhouses also they, cassidy pulled off that big upset uh, over loyola last year also 6-0 however in the greater thumb west uh, cassidy does have some good talent come back defensively but the elton pitch and bayport lakers who have been under their uh, head coach for the last three years he's been doing a great job there I think they have a lot of talent coming back also. So it comes down to those two top teams, I do believe, in the greater thumb West in, in, uh, uh, for, that, uh, for the league. Now, again, those league titles, those games are going to be, the, the, for the for league title, they're going to be decided by the coaches also. So it's kind of like you're wondering who's going to get that league title and which way they'll sway on that one. The, the other thing about the, uh, the COVID thing, we're missing out on a lot of great non-league games. Cassidy was set to play Millington mm. in week one. So we're missing out on that. So a lot of these games, that these cross-conference games or non-league games from outside teams that help them out for the playoffs and regular season, we're missing out on that. So that's something that you've you got to remember and look at, too, because it's just the same situation in the area. You like to see those kind of matchups and maybe later down 
they'll take you know take them on in the playoffs again. Yeah, well, I guess the trade-off we look at is uh, all teams are in the playoffs. It's kind of unique for sure, and I think maybe a precursor of what we might end up seeing down the road. You know, where they if they can figure it out this year, where everybody can get in. There's no reason why when we get back to semi-normal they can do that. Well, Eddie, I can tell you know what's going on there in the thumb, and our listeners now have a good feel for what is going to be going on on the gridiron. Tell our tell our listeners the best way to follow Eddie Fury. Okay, you can find us on Facebook. We're also on Twitter. It's pretty easy at Thumbtailgater. And then also our website will be up. We're revamping it right now this week. We're, we're, we're just like you. We're kind of like in a, a stir-crazy mode right now <laughs> since it was announced that football's back. And, you know, for the most part, players are happy. They're willing to adjust if they have to. I know some teams are using some kind of face shield in the face mask, so they don't have to wear the mask itself uh, to breathe, you know, wear that constantly. But, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're ready for it, so I guess. You know, it, it's coming up so quick here. We're still kind of shell-shocked about the announcement. But, uh, you know, I'm starting to get in the mood for it, especially after that Lions loss. <laughs> you know, we could use this. You know, we could use any type of high school football right now to recover from that Lions loss in week one. You got that right. Hey, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for uh, partis- participating in our third annual Prep Pigskin Preview. Eddie Fury, thanks a lot, buddy. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Make sure to let our partners know you listen in, and they include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankered Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, and Sheridan Auction Service. And a big thanks to all our experts who joined us for this special podcast. Don't forget our first Z92.5 Game of the Week live coming up this Friday night. It's St. John's at Grand Ledge. Should be a good one. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel. Thanking you again for supporting Three Point Podcast. Three Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ MidMichigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.